Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Blake. I'm your host for this evening's episode. Or this morning's, wherever you're listening. Who cares? Um, actually, man, I don't have anything prepared for this. Uh, this, is a great, this is a great podcast. I'm stumbling all over myself. <laughs> We're going to talk about movies. I'm joined by two gentlemen. One is the movie editor at AIPT. His name is Patrick. Goes by Nathaniel sometimes. What's up, bud? Uh, not much. And you're, we got an exciting podcast tonight. And, uh, I got an appetite for destruction. And I'm going to yes. scrape the plate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry like the wolf. Danny, uh, our resident artist and uh, just all around great hair. Oh, amazing hair. Danny, what's up, man? Thank you. I mean, it's finger looking good. <laughs> it's always greasy. So it's always greasy. Yeah. <laughs> what is up, guys? Welcome to the last week of April. Hard to believe. It's it shot by, and uh, I still haven't found any COVID tussin at the Walgreens. <laughs> I've been looking. Haven't I, I've been yet. making it in my closet, uh, so we can work out an arrangement here. So the, the COVID testing is not like a plan B, where it's like over the, t- over the counter? <laughs> oh, shit. It's not like plan B, so you can't get COVID and then immediately go take the test. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's no day after for COVID, unfortunately. <laughs> Somebody needs to get on that. That would sell like hotcakes. Martin yeah, Screlly. I know. Martin Screlly needs to get on that. What's he up to? Is he in prison? Uh, he got sued by people. You know. <laughs> all I know guy. is he's got a Wu-Tang album that everybody wants to hear. <laughs> anyway, so. Hey, so there is news, I presume, boys. Uh, what's up with AMC? Uh, I think it's like the new, in, in a crazy year of news, I think it's like one of the best news bits of the year. Um AMC is uh, dumping all Universal movies uh, going forward forever because they are upset that Universal decided to show uh, Invisible Man and I guess Emma is in there and most especially Trolls World Tour, uh, which they made. They've already made more money off of it than they did the original one. And uh, the head of AMC, not in these exact words, said that uh, you are messing up my profit margin. So we will not be showing your movies anymore. So um, I figure in like, March of 2021, they'll show a Universal movie. I was gonna say that doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> well, I, I I'm gonna I, I want to say this uh, as well. I think it is hilarious. But what makes this even better? I'm I've got to read a little bit more about this right now. I don't know if you guys could hear me on this, but it says oh, yeah. um, the po- the po- this policy affects any and all Universal movies per se goes into effect today, uh, and blah 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 blah. And it is not some hollow or ill-considered threats. So he's saying, boo-hoo-hoo, I'm crying here. I'm losing money. I'm hemorrhaging. I want, I want that, uni- that sweet, sweet universal money. Uh, I mean, I think next year, like with Fast 9 coming out next year, like, you know, that shit's going to make yeah. a billion dollars. Uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I think Universal or AMC needs Universal more than the other way around because uh, AMC is constantly been in the news the past few weeks about possibly declaring for bankruptcy um i mean 
Universal sitting pretty here. Uh, it is kind of funny that AMC essentially said, you know what, Universal, you bastards, how dare you give people an option while they can't leave their house to still enjoy movies? That's yeah. essentially what they did. Yeah. Awesome yeah. stuff. I, I, just, <laughs> I feel like it, it's so, like, they want to make money. They want to open this up this fucking economy, whatever. You know, who fucking cares right now? Like, what, what, what happened to our well-being? You know, like, we're the ones that are going to be giving them money also i haven't been to an amc since god knows fucking when you know since maybe pat no not even even before that uh, it's been like years since i've been to an amc and amc's don't, didn't really exist here in el paso either so <laughs> i'm not missing out so fuck but, them. yeah fuck them first of all <laughs> fuck like think of your fucking customers dicks oh uh, they never i mean that's that's even before covid they wouldn't think about the all they think about is the money yeah the funny thing about like I I love going to movie theaters I absolutely love it um, but I mean there's no way that I can see it from AMC side I mean it's just straight up like yeah there's a pandemic but uh, I still got to make my money I mean, that's essentially what it boils down to yeah it, and that's I don't know I, I yeah I guess I'm with you in that like I, I I don't side with them but like at least like the two indie theaters or chains out here like Alamo Draft House and Flex Brew House or whatever that shit's called um, aren't opening here in Texas because they still don't have like a, I guess like an idea of what to do, how to do the six feet in social distancing. I mean, it's great and everything. And I guess as me, a, a consumer, I want to be safe. You know, like I want right. to see new fucking movies. I AMC is kind of like just coming in, like you know, balls out. You know, like yeah, we're gonna open up and damn everything. You know. I feel at least if we have some sort of fucking like idea what's going to happen in the movie theater, we have, you, you know, I want to feel more protected. You know, shootings happen. We got cops in there. You know, COVID happens. Well, I don't think that uh, I'm, I'm not defending AMC, but I don't think that they would go balls out on it. I mean, Cinemark, they, they said that they were going to roll it out slowly and they were only going to fill up to like 50 percent capacity. I don't think right. any. Well, they wouldn't be allowed to in Texas. I mean, it's only 25 percent capacity to begin with. So there's no way that they'd be able to do that. But I think the really funny thing, I, you know, joking around about the money and all that stuff, the funny thing is that. Yeah, Universal released. They released these movies that were in. They're from the dump months, basically. I mean, Trolls probably made more money than it ever would have made if it was just released in theaters. Mm -hmm. But there's no way that Universal would have put um, Fast Nine out there on on video on demand immediately if it were to right. go to that, that. There's no way that would happen. So AMC is just they're being little babies about it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they pushed it back. You know, a full year. So we know that for sure. You know, like even like Warner Brothers and Disney like pushed back some of their animated films or, you know, their weaker films maybe to be on video on demand or Disney Plus. It, it, that makes sense. If you don't feel that it's going to be making you the money, just put it in another service and that it will probably help you out. And I feel like AMC just wants some of that sweet, sweet money. <laughs> <laughs> some of well, that I'm, sure there, I'm sure there's an air of panic going on through all these theater companies at, at the at the moment you know what i mean so i i, I, I get i get that for sure uh, but uh, on the on the topic of reopening like are you really would you if they reopened like tomorrow and it's 25 percent uh capacity and you could go and it was something you really wanted to see would you guys go no like as of right now what would they be showing uh, <laughs> no, I'm 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 I'
this soon because Texas is opening on Friday. So I wasn't thinking like, "Ooh, what can I do this? What movie will I watch this weekend?" <laughs> but um, I have thought like towards the end of the year or into the summer, like if things seem to be tailing off, like would I go? Um, definitely, definitely, definitely not. If there's a if there's no limit, if it's a free for all, then no, I absolutely would not go. Um, at twenty five to fifty percent, I mean. I don't know, to be honest with you. Like, I really do miss the theater experience, but I also kind of enjoy being alive. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, 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 I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I, I, I mean, I keep it real. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it would it would be a pretty tough decision for me, to be honest with you. And I, that's, that's, that's horrible, but I guess I'm a loser like that. No, I get it because I, I I would ha- I understand like the the weirdness about being in public places right now. Like I really have luckily with my job, I really don't have to be around people um, unless I'm like going to the store or something. Even then, I go to like a really tiny grocery store. Um, and, but today I was at I was at a uh, a UPS store, and um, it's kind of like the first time I've been in like a like a thing that's usually really busy. And this it was actually no different. It was actually really busy, but super masked up and um social distancing tape on the floor kind of situation and right. uh it was totally uh it was very it was unique uh it's the first time i've really experienced it where it felt really regimented and mm. uh yeah i'm not sure it i mean it immediately makes you feel uncomfortable is the best way i can put it like you're immediately on edge and not that you're like worried about people coughing and stuff but you just it puts you in a different state of mind and so, like, even then, I'm, like, thinking, like, well, if I was going to go to a movie theater and I'm sitting there with my fucking mask on and I got to take right. it off every time I want to take a drink of my fucking Mr. Pib, like, you know, that's, like, <laughs> fucking, I don't know. It's something I, I had thought about it, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be rushing out. Yeah, yeah it, it does kind of take away from the experience. I feel the same way. And I tell, like, you know, with this whole reopening here, at least in Texas, I, you know, I do feel like I want to get out of El Paso, but even like then I'm like, I have to wait a full year to feel even more comfortable to see like, like fucking you, Pat, you know, or fucking Pablo who's out in Austin. Like I would still wait a whole time. Like even then I don't feel comfortable traveling or going to, you know, fucking a movie theater. Like the well, grocery store. You're supposed to like quarantine yourself after you travel, like more than a hundred miles. You should, you should technically yeah. Well, you know, separated. So, yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, even that, like, because, and this is so, like, so stupid because we don't know what who has it and you, what you're mentioning with the mask. Like, yeah, it's so, like, I, I went to a McDonald's inside of Walmart and then I, I got my coffee and I was like, oh, fuck, I can't drink my coffee until I'm actually in my car, in my, you know, in my little safe zone, yeah. my little bubble that, you know, and I was like, fuck, this sucks. Like, I, I didn't yeah. think about that. No, people but, are definitely yeah. uncomfortable around uh, around every, and especially me since it was a leather face mask. But uh, anyway, Pat, uh, <laughs> because you're a leather <laughs> daddy. <laughs> uh, last drive-in, man. Tell me about it. Oh man, so last drive-in, uh, they had uh, Chris Jericho on as the co-host, and uh, he was awesome. He sang a little number. Apparently, he's a huge. I don't know, Blake. Have you ever seen Blood Sucking Freaks? Oh yeah, of course. Man, that movie, I, I, I've i seen it, right? Yeah. God, high school, maybe, but... <laughs> I mean, I've, yeah, a long time ago. That movie, it, it, I remember watching it back then and being like, oh, wow, this is some crazy stuff. Oh, it's the director still... Uh, face, uh, uh, Rachel Gordon Lewis or something? No, no, that's... Uh, he does the other... Uh, he, I thought it was that one, too. The, um, the guy who does Wizard of Gore, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it uh, not that? Yeah. No, no, no. It's a different one. It, that one, because that one... That one is like a thousand freaks or the something like where they're stuck in the oh. county, right? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Like Blood Sucking Freaks is set in the seventies. The what? Maybe I'm thinking of a completely different movie. I'm gonna look it up while you're talking. Okay, so the Blood Sucking Freaks is is in the seventies, and it's about it's kind of similar to Wizard of Gore. It's this wizard who has a um uh an assistant, and his show is based on torture. Um, oh, and, and except it's not a show. He's really torturing people. Yeah. Um, okay. Essentially, the movie is filled with. Like, you know how Joe Bob does the uh, drive-in totals beforehand? It was 76 boobs was the first thing that came out. So, <laughs> like, it's filled with nudity and S&M and torture and naked women being used as seats and tables and people being uh, people being whipped. Uh, there's necrophilia. Um, did, did Anton LaVey direct this? <laughs> you know what? The guy kind of looked like Anton LaVey, actually. Um <laughs> A severed head giving head to a dwarf, which is one of the most surreal scenes you'll ever see. Um, yeah, super strange movie, uh, but um, infamous um, for for the right reasons. And then the other movie they showed, uh, Kelly Maroney. She was uh, like a, a scream queen of the 80s, but it was a Chopping, chopping Mall. Have you ever seen chopping that Chopping Mall, yes. The robots wreak havoc. Like the robots. <laughs> the robots, the whole have a nice day thing. Yeah. Um, I actually... It's a very fun movie. It's super silly. It's really, really crazy, crazy fun. Uh, Barbara Crampton in it. Um, the uh, I've actually never seen it before. I have never. Seen, wow. I've heard of it. I know because it's so. You always. I think the Alamo has showed it a few times. Like it's. Yeah. But I, I just have never gotten around to seeing it. So uh, I had a chance to see it, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's, it lives up to to its uh, cult status. It's it must have come out like uh, during the like Johnny Five. Uh, short circuit like that whole era of 80s that's basically he's a mix of johnny five ed 209 and robocop yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's a ball security fucking bot but but it's a mall security bot it's hilarious (laughs) there's like three of them and yeah it's a comic crossover of mall uh mall rats and uh (laughs) chopping I have a question. (laughs) What's better, uh, Paul Bart Mall Cop or Chopping Mall? You know what? Paul Bart's actually got some amazing, (laughs) amazing moments in it. But no, it's Chopping Mall. (laughs) Yeah, Chopping Mall is. uh, You know, I I think the original name is Killbots. They said or something like that. But uh, Chopping Mall, it's such like you're like, oh, what a stupid name. Like they're obviously uh, trying to be bad, but I don't think they were trying to be bad. Well, actually, the story is that. uh, uh, Roger Corman told the writer, like, if you can write a movie set in a mall with robots, if you can write a movie for me, sure, you can direct it. And the guy wrote it up in 24 hours. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was some cook he was on. You, you oh. can totally tell also. It's, uh, but it's, so it's, it's a creepypasta? God damn it. <laughs> um, so this week, um, they, they don't announce the movies ahead of time, but the guest this week is uh, Tom Savini. So, oh. Uh, oh, so yeah. if you his website right now and if you are a halloween person and i would totally do this but i think they're expensive you can buy a protective mask that is like a half uh jason Voorhees friday the 13th mask from tom savini himself oh that's pretty awesome uh tom savini in my opinion the the head explosion scene in maniac is the well maybe video drone i I don't know that that head explosion scene in maniac do you remember that one uh yeah, with a shotgun blast. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. The only yeah, rivals is... by scanners. Only rivals. Yeah, scanners. That's a video drill. Yes. Scanners. Those are. I I love that one. And Tom Zavini plays the victim. Yes. And it's I... just. 
it's so, I love Tom so awesome. He's one of my favorite people in the horror genre. Like, uh, and his little uh, little segment in uh, From Dust Till Dawn, very, very memorable. Sex oh, machine, he's great. Uh, sex machine, yes, <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, but yeah, he's going to be on this week, so uh, like, yeah. I'm sure they'll ask him about the maniac thing, and I'm sure they'll ask him about Friday the Thirteenth and Dawn of the Dead and uh, all the stuff that he's done. He's uh, there's a lot of horror icons. They're mainly you know Stephen King and Pinhead and. Uh, George Romero, um, but the special effects people in horror, especially from the 70s and 80s, yep. are very Red important. And Tom Savini is a, yep. he's an absolute legend. Yep. Um, so uh, last week uh, um, I had a theme going where I had seen um, a bunch of Netflix movies. Uh, this week I have a kind of an unintentional theme that I didn't realize until after the fact. But uh, if you haven't listened to um, Adventures in Movies, looks at dot, dot, dot. We did 499, which is about uh, basically the conquest of, uh, of Mexico. Uh, so I saw two movies that are very similar to that. Uh, not quite that like weird level of creativity, but really similar. So I saw a movie called uh, The Infiltrators. Um, it's about the uh, National Immigrant Youth Alliance. Have you, have you guys heard of them? No. Negative. So they did this crazy thing. I, I, it's one of those things where you can't, you can't believe you, you never would have heard of this. Uh, they intentionally got themselves detained at one of those for-profit detention centers where they house immigrants. Um, They got intentionally detained there in order to break people out. Um, It's it's a pretty crazy plan. So it's – the weird thing about this is it's a documentary. They have the actual people from the the, um, organization there, but it's also dramatized. So it's kind of like, and it's I guess it's like an unsolved mysteries type of thing going on, where um, they have interviews and talking heads, but then there's dramatizations of the the prison the prison escape. So it's a documentary prison escape movie, basically, is what you get. Um, it's really really engrossing, and the tension's super high. Like, and the it's just a crazy premise, you know, guys purposely get uh, arrested by ICE so they can get out of a detention center and free everybody. It's a really crazy story. Um, the only problem I had with it was uh, the dramatized parts, like the the warden and the guards and stuff like that. They're very one note villains, like the twirl their mustache type villains. Uh, so pretty generic <laughs> stuff. But yeah. I love those kind of villains. Oh my god! Snidely Whip- they're cool. Yeah, like the Snidely Whiplash dudes are cool and like over the top stuff. And prison move, prison escape movies are over the top. But since this was a true story documentary, it kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of didn't work out. So. But, oh, true. But the actual premise is super interesting. It's really crazy that people would be willing to do that to free uh, other people. And um, the people in the the uh, youth alliance, they're also um, uh, um, illegal immigrants, also. So it's a super. And the the actors in this are also undocumented. So it's a really interesting. It's an interesting story. It's cool. Lots of cool tension. The escape stuff is really cool. Uh, it's 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 definitely worth a watch. Uh, then the other thing I saw, now this thing we talked about how 499 has it obviously has you know a, a time traveling conquistador is obviously fiction. Uh, I saw a movie called uh, The Things We Dare Not Do. Um, it's about a 16 year old boy who's uh, coming out and he's struggling with telling his parents about it. And pretty typical story. Um, usually those types of movies they either take place in like an urban setting or they take, if it's not in an urban setting, then it's like in this really picturesque, like, like Brokeback Mountain type of thing. I, I think it's usually that because it's kind of, uh, they have, um, 
the ugliness of, of people being closed-minded set against this really beautiful backdrop type of thing. So in this movie, it takes place in a in this little village in Mexico where they're they're happy just to have running water because it happens like one day out of so it's a uh, kind of neat in that you don't really get that setting very often in these kinds of stories. This movie, what's really really weird about it is I didn't even know it was a documentary until about man halfway in, maybe more than halfway in, because it it blends the fiction and the documentary part like seamlessly like like in uh in 499 you can tell what's i mean it's pretty obvious what's what's fiction and what's what's real in this movie there's you have no idea it does it never tells you there's no narration like you just kind of figure it out on your own it becomes a little obvious but um the problem with that is documentaries like uh, they'll they'll set you up with like clues and motivation and you know the setting and all that, and then they kind of give you that big bang. And then uh, whereas in coming out movies, they'll kind of set you up with characters and they'll kind of let you know why it's difficult for these people to come out. Um, in here, it's really slow paced to where it does introduce and the direction is beautiful, and you get an idea of the main character. Like you you understand who he is. He's like a father figure to the children in this village. But it moves so so slow to where at, at a point you're kind of like okay like what's 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 this about like I'm I'm just I'm just watching this boy who likes to wear dresses and that's cool but I mean where's this going and then eventually this Michael like, Stipe <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Mexican Michael Stipe and eventually Miguel. there's a murder <laughs> Miguel Stipe, <laughs> Miguel Stipe. Um, there's a there's a murder and the murder is obviously it's uh there's hints of machismo around it uh um the victim isn't at least they don't say that he's gay but he is a little effeminate so um it's kind of the whole machismo thing into that so that makes the coming out decision a little bit more difficult for the main character it's a pretty typical story uh the idea to blend the fiction and 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 documentary which i saw so much of this past week it's not a bad idea it's just it's done I, I don't know if I would have made that. It just melds it, and it's so slow that it kind of, once it picks up the pace, and I mean, that's being very generous with that, like, it, it draws you in a little bit more, but by the time it's over, you're just like, okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> very, that's a very well-shot movie. Like, that's the best I can say. It's, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're into, geez, I don't even know. Like, cinematography. Yeah, if you love beautiful cinematography, then I don't know if you'd find anything better, but it's not anything that I would go out of my way to see. What did you uh, see it on? Uh, that was released at the the Canadian uh, the Canada Hot Docs Festival. Okay, they had a virtual okay. showing of it. I see, I see. So the things we dare not do, uh, Danny. Now that we know the things we dare not do, what about Never Have I Ever? I went down on a Netflix binge. Uh, unlike Pat here, uh, I don't have a the- like a theme usually. I just watch what I, I guess I like to watch. <laughs> So, Never Have I Ever is a comedy, uh, uh, what's it called? Pat usually says this a lot. It's a coming-of-age dramedy from Netflix, and it's, it was created by Mindy Kaling of uh, The Office fame, I guess. Uh, if, that's, if, you don't have, if you haven't seen her show, The Mindy Kaling Show on Fox or Hulu, uh, she made this nice little uh, teen dramedy. Are you referring to The Mindy Project? The Mindy Project, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what the name of the show is. I never saw it. I saw her in Champions. Uh, the Mindy Kaling experience. <laughs> I wanted to call once uh, when I was growing up. I wanted to have a band named the Brandon Boyd Experience. Oh, and... would have! Oh my god! 
How did you not end up with a red tattoo? I don't know. I don't know. But it, <laughs> uh, back to the show. It, it, uh, I benched all 10 episodes. Uh, the trailer really got my attention. Essentially, this girl has this tragic experience while at a band recital, and she loses her ability to walk. So for a whole year, you know, her whole freshman year, she's this... Was it a this, flute accident? Sorry, I had to. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it, it was a heart attack. Her, she saw her dad die. Oh, God. God damn it. <laughs> oh, Regina lied to me. She said that the show was cute. <laughs> well, it's it, So that's, I think, the darkest part of the whole show. The first 10, 10 minutes uh, of it. Yeah, so she's trying to like, you know, trying to struggle with being a teenager and she wants to go to Princeton. She wants to be, you know, this whole all-American girl, but she's socially awkward. She's trying to break, you know, like we were all teenagers. So it kind of like hits a lot of it. Uh, It has a lot of the same tropes that you see in now modern teen shows and uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah, teen comedy shows. And kind of like this, like the the YA movies. It, it, it's just really, really cute. I think it was well done. The acting from all the main leads, the three young ladies, are really, really good. Um, and uh, the 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 surprise the surprise to me is shoot, and I'm gonna mispronounce his name. Uh, John McEnroe, McEnroe, McEnroe. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's right. He's like the narrator, isn't he? Yeah, he's the narrator. Johnny Mac. Yeah. Yeah, I was walking through the living room the other day. I was like, is that, "That's what I, said. I, was like, I was like, is that Mac Attack?" He is the the highlight of the show because oh, he's he he's how old? He's like you know, fifties, fifty six. So he's near- <laughs> He looks really good, by the way. And it's this weird thing that you he's narrating a teenager's life, and he's like, "I have no idea what the fuck's going on." You know, like just pay attention. Uh, and it's really, really, those are the bits that I really like, I think are laugh out funny, but some of the situations are very funny. Obviously she loses, you know, like every fucking teen movie, she loses connections with friends because she's selfish. Uh, she thinks she's not, uh, it's really well. So I feel like if you want a, a chipper show, I feel this is a great show. I, I fucking watched all 10 episodes in one sitting. So damn. Yeah. How long was that sitting? Jesus Christ. Uh, I think it was like five hours long. I think that's how wow. much I calculated. But, you know, like, it was fun. Like, yeah, because they're half hour each. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, they're not bad. And like, I had to stretch once in a while. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the thing, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was really good. Some of the, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, but it was, uh, it's cute. It's very, very cute. Despite the, the, the dark opening of the show. Also, I got to, I'm continuing to watch Miss America. Uh, this episode dealt with a character named B- Betty, played by Tracy Ullman. And I just want to say this. If Tracy Ullman doesn't get nominated for an Emmy, uh, everything is just fucked. Because threaten, threaten the shit out of him, Danny. Threaten I, Or what? I, or what? You know, or I'm going to... will get nominated. She, she always gets nominated. And I'm, she, it seems like she always wins also. So I, I'd be surprised. Really? If, That's good. Really? I, ever I since the like... Tracy Ullman, yeah, ever since the Tracy Ullman show, I think she, she won after it was canceled. Like she constantly wins <laughs> awards. I hope I, she I doesn't feel... win. <laughs> I feel, I feel like this is showing her dramatic prowess. I've never seen her as a dramatic actor. Like I've always known her as a comedic actor. Um, 
so to me seeing her like this vulnerable and just fucking good like she has a really good monologue and a good breakdown right after slightly after that i just feel it's really 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 good acting from her um especially going against like kate blanchett which you know she could also do almost anything uh she goes she went to a a creature and i mean that in the best way possible (laughs) she is a creature she she could do anything and i feel like this is this is a really good show showing again a weird right wing feminist movement that we don't really get to see a lot or it's not really talked about i guess if, with liberal studies um <laughs> but uh, yeah i really i'm really enjoying the show like every single time it's kind of like a gut like a gut punch cuz everything just like sucks at the end you're like fuck well what's going to happen now you know like it, it's very good, and I feel like FX has something on the, FX is doing really good right now with with this show and uh, you know other shows that they I haven't seen. Um, and then, <laughs> like what we do in the, the shadows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Hilarious. Uh, this past that's the best. Uh, and continuing, Danny watches a sports documentary saga. Oh, let's uh, talk about it, Danny. I watched it with you this time. Oh, let's talk. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. So episode three and four. Uh, episode three had to do with Dennis Rodman. And episode four did dealt dealt with Phil Jackson. Last Fuck. dance. Sorry, I interrupted you. The last dance. No, no, yeah, the last dance. Um, I thought I said that, but you know. I don't know if you did. <laughs> so, man, this show just gets better. And you know, comparing Scottie Pippen to the Dennis Rodman episode, I think I was more of a Dennis Rodman fan growing <laughs> up because I think he was so like Electra, <laughs> Electra. <laughs> oh, dude, dude. Also, Cameron Electra, like she was more for the MTV generation. Oh, uh, and you're not. Don't give me oh, that. Shit. I am a, yeah, no, no. That's I think that's why I I was like, oh, I have Dennis Rodman and Cameron Electra. That's like peanut butter and chocolate right there. Yeah, yeah. What well, could be better? Maybe Dave Navarro. <laughs> Ugh. Anyways, anyway, uh, I feel like this the Dennis Rodman episode was a well better written episode compared to the Scotty Pippen one we got to see the growth of Dennis Rodman. I don't feel like, I don't know if you saw the Scottie Pippen episode, Blake, but uh, I, yeah, I, I did. you did. Okay. So I feel like when we, we got the, the growth of him and then we got the fucking De- Detroit Pistons, which if you saw the 30 for 30, these guys are just like the bullies. Like they are bad one boys. of the bad, the bad boys. Yeah. The bad boys. Yeah. Oh, up the Jordan rules. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk about that. <laughs> too and it's kind of this weird thing that you see them like i never thought about and even after like the seeing the 30 for 30 episode um i never thought of like the bulls and the pistons being like rivals like they're a complete fucking nemesis like they went yeah so i remember when they uh i remember when they froze jordan out of the all-star game i remember when the pistons walked off the court like and then jordan did the exact same thing to isaiah thomas for the dream team so they, yeah. they, so he he wouldn't even let Isaiah Thomas on the dream team, who was coached by his coach. Yeah, Chuck Daly. yeah, yeah. So I I feel like it's so good. Like the drama in that episode is so great, and even like like Isaiah Thomas is like talking about like if we knew what we knew back then, you know, it would have been different. But it was of the time and. <laughs> And Jordan's like pretty much like fuck him like he's just full <laughs> of shit he's full of shit like and it's so good it like I feel like it's so great and I then, love Michael Jordan he is the sorest winner 
of all fucking oh. time. He is, oh, he is so bitter about, and it's like, dude, you're on top. You're the literally everyone thinks you're the goat, and yet yeah. you still hate everybody. Yeah, like I, it's crazy. Honestly, like, I think it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's so it's weird. funny that the the Hall of Fame, his Hall of Fame speech, what everyone got out of it was the crying Jordan meme. Right. But uh, <laughs> the actual speech is oh, one of the most shit. spiteful things you will ever hear. <laughs> he talked shit to people that he played against in high school. Yeah, high in that school. Speech. He's a high school people. It's he, nuts. Yeah. And those are things that you kind of get from the documentary that he's like, I'm the greatest shit ever. And you're not paying respect to me. And like by the time that we get Phil Jackson in, in there, it's it, he's he's like hey dude like chill the fuck out like phil jackson's like look it there's other players maybe pass the ball to them and uh what's his name paxton i was i was like holy shit like you're not like they're they're covering your fucking ass obviously you need to like play the the end of that episode where you're talking about paxton at the end of that one episode is Mm -hmm. truly great like that's yeah it is it is jordan being like hey guess holy shit uh, phil's right i don't have to do it all myself yeah. Which is which? Jordan, if it weren't for that mentality, he wouldn't have won three more cha- or you know four more championships after right. that, or right or five. Was five. that the first? Was that the ch- first that, championship? That was that, against the Lakers, the right? Champ- yeah, that's the incredible. First one. That's just incredible, man. It it is. I it's just it's they're really well, and I don't know if it's breaking the mold for Jordan or like or whatever we have him in a pedestal, but I feel like as we see him, like as I see this last year, I, I just feel like cool and. It's just, it's really great storytelling. It's just, right. It's just that, like, you know. So I will say this about this whole thing, though. You know, um, all this stuff was, all this footage was being taken back then um, under Jordan's supervision, right? And um, this whole thing, I kind of, I've I've only learned about this recently. Um, This whole documentary only came to be um because jordan finally i think the the rumor is that he watched lebron win his his last championship um and and told the filmmaker said you know what put it together start putting this together and it's taken obviously several years since that yeah. since that happened but um i think that also goes to show you the competitive nature of michael jordan he he, wa- he wanted people now to remember and this would be think about it this would be possibly being released during the NBA playoffs, you know, for, uh, you know, LeBron and the Lakers might be in the playoffs right now uh, with this, with this being released with Jordan. So think about that, right? So Jordan is such a competitor that he wants everybody now to remember how good he was. And it just so happened that we're all locked up in our houses in a pandemic and everybody's watching it, including LeBron James. So like there is, there is a aspect of this that I think everybody needs to take with like the tiniest grain of salt. And be like, you know what? This wouldn't be released if it wasn't for Michael Jordan giving his big check mark yeah. to everything. It's just, it's again, it shows you how petty he is, like in so many ways yeah. that it, competitive, it's competitive, ridiculous. yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, it, it's so, it's great. Like I love it. Like fucking keep it up. Like I want to see more of this shit, and I, and I will. Uh, what did you see, Mister Blake? <laughs> so I'm uh, much like stuff that happened 25 years ago. I wanted to rewatch something. Um, and so, uh, I really, I've, other than like, uh, last dance and just some superfluous other stuff, um, that doesn't really count. I watched, uh, Alice in Chains Unplugged. Un- incredible. Oh. So go watch Alice in Chains Unplugged. It's, I think it's all on YouTube. Um, I, I sat on my computer and, and, and got real depressed and watched the shit out of it, but it was, <laughs> but it was real, real good. 
Um, uh, but I did watch uh, Bone Tomahawk, which is a movie I've talked about uh, a couple times uh, on here. And it is... I, I know it's kind of mixed. I, I know it doesn't always have the best review. I know our friend Pablo, who's been on the show, uh, he's not a huge fan of it. But it's Kurt Russell with it. about... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he hates it. <laughs> he thinks it's boring and slow. <laughs> but Kurt Russell's got an incredible beard and mustache. And it's got a bunch of really incredible performances by um, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, Richard Jenkins. It's It's good. It's very, very good. There's a there, and then there's other uh, little cameos that you'll that you'll notice. Um, but a uh, a brutal movie, a horror movie, a western horror movie, uh, which is right up my alley. Um, and it, I think I still think it really holds up. Um, I hadn't watched it in a while. Um, it is slow. It is kind of a long movie. I didn't. I I'd kind of forgotten how long it was. It's uh, how long is it? Two hours, twelve minutes. So. And that's and there's a lot of walking, so there's a lot of walking around and talking and stuff. But like again, it's kind of a throwback, kind of like uh, what we've been talking about lately with some of this other stuff on the YouTube channel and stuff. Um, but it's uh, yeah, an incredibly well done movie. And uh, again, if you you know you're at home, you got two hours to kill, and you want to watch a horror western with uh, highly aggressive native peoples and a hostage situation that may or may not turn out for the best. I highly recommend Bone Tomahawk, um, which is a far departure and a terrible way to segue into no, our wait, main hold topic. Up. Hold on. I do have a question okay. <laughs> before we segue. Where did it. you see – I have never seen this movie, and I know you and Pablo have talked about it, but I never have a chance. Never. It, where I, own you stream it? I, oh, you I own it. Oh, you own it. Yeah, I own it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Never mind then. Let's go on to food. Hey, dude, you're supposed to give me a spicy pickle bear. We can still I still have them. That's awesome. Okay, well, let's talk. Yeah, let's, let's talk. talk. Yeah. Okay, perfect segue. You know what makes me want to, uh, to eat something? It's a spicy pickle beer. Uh, we're, on top of being stoned for 20 months, into 420 months. Uh, here we are at the end. Um, <laughs> we thought it'd be fun to talk about movies that make you hungry. Movies that have uh, a food tie-in. And uh, uh, boy, howdy, do I want to hear what these guys have to say. (laughs) So, Patrick, we're going to go off your little main segment list here, which I love. Uh, Favorite dish for movie. Let's start there, guys. Let's start there. That is one tasty burger. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? Oh, I have it on my list. (laughs) The big kahuna. It's because Quentin Tarantino knows how to shoot food. He does. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, does. the nachos in Death Proof, fucking amazing. <laughs> like, but nothing. I've never seen any food look better than the Big Kahuna Burger. When uh, <laughs> it, that's like the way the cheese is kind of dripped over that burger is melted perfectly oh. on there. Yeah. And how how refreshing does that that Sprite sound or whatever it is? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking food commercial. It's I great. eat tasty beverage. <laughs> That, that's that Hawaiian burger joint, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, oh, that's uh, so funny. I had that on the top of my list, Pat. That's the best thing in the world. It's like the, be- it's the best food. Well, it's the best single food item ever. I went a completely different route. Like, I was naming, like, Quint- uh, Tarantino films, and I was thinking, like, Inglorious Bastards and, like, fucking uh, Kill Bill. And, yeah, the strudel part. I was like, fuck. And then I was just ended up talking about, like, how he does food, like, just justice. Everything that you in the especially in Pulp Fiction, I think, because uh, it's also the shake that Uma Thurman drinks uh, at the okay. I, I don't remember at the, the diner. Jack, 
grab its limbs. Yeah. And so all that all that shit, I was like, fuck yeah. This is like all that made me crave it. And I think when we're like talking about this whole like idea, I was like, well, what movie does does it <laughs> makes me horny for food? And <laughs> But like you know, like I'm like I'm salivating, salivating, salivating. I'm drooling. There you go. I'm drooling. Salivate. I'm drooling. I'm foaming. Um, as I mentioned, horny. That's the COVID uh, kicking in. Creamy, creamy. Yeah. Uh, I thought of Chef, and I went, I went down to a freaking line, like a whole like row of films, like uh, like and that not necessarily to have to deal with a lot of food, but I went like down with Hook, where you know he finally imagines like the fucking. Yeah, the battering, the whole thing, that whole fucking feast. I was like, oh, that was really cool. And then I thought of Home Alone 2 with a cheese pizza. Like, I was just like trying to think, like, what made me really fucking hungry? Like, like what do I want to have at the end of, of, of this? And Chef, I came out like wanting Cubanos like or Cubans. Like, I was like, holy shit, like I've never had one of these sandwiches. And having to hear one in El Paso was kind of disappointing. But uh, I felt All-time like- Cubano show was Dexter. Dexter was always eat, always eating Cubano sandwiches. Really, I've never seen Dexter. What? So, uh, yeah, watch never watch the first five seasons. Worth it. Okay. Worth it. Okay. But yeah, that was one of the things. And then obviously they go to the, like Austin and do like the fucking brisket at Franklin's. So that that movie is all about the food. Even the the grilled cheese sandwiches that they have in that movie. Like everything is like kind of like like food porn essentially. And <laughs> everything for me was I was like, oh man, all that looks really good, and I just want to have it in my belly. And then uh, I had I we I rewatched Ratatouille, um, and I wanted to share this story because I feel it, it, I think it goes with a favorite dish from a movie. Uh, I'm Mexican descent, and uh, we have a peasant food that they usually call in this movie Ratatouille, and uh, it's essentially just soup squash. And I hated the shit out of it. I I think this movie came out like in 2007. And my mom was like, well, have this. And she kind of made it into, you know, like mid-20s, whatever. And she's like putting it on a plate for me. It's like, here, taste this. This is completely different now. And uh, it made me change my whole, <laughs> like, idea of what a squash soup is because of ratatouille. So uh, ratatouille, thank you. You made my that, – that would, I would say that favorite dish from a movie is ratatouille because it, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> have you ever had ratatouille, the actual dish? No, no, I I have my mom's version of ratatouille, which is squash. <laughs> so just just well, I mean, it's not too different. Not too different, yeah. I think it needs eggplant and some sort of tomato thing. Yeah, it's like a tomato sauce. Yeah, it's basically a bunch of vegetables with tomato sauce. <laughs> but it is it is very good. <laughs> no, no, we're just gonna end up talking about food right now. I can totally do that. Did you guys <laughs> did you guys kill somebody for a fucking Popeye sandwich last year? I, I'm sure you did. Um, so. <laughs> uh, Movies with the best food. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna say that I was. I immediately thought of mob movies because I've been watching The Sopranos. Oh, so, so, in mob movies, like there's always that. <laughs> there's always this. Yeah, they, they hang out in Italian restaurants, and then there's always a scene where there's a huge wedding, or someone turns 16, or it's a graduate, and there's this huge feast afterwards. Yeah. And then I really thought about it. I was like, you know, it's not just exclusive to mob movies. It's basically any movie that deals with another culture. Like My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, yeah. I recently saw The Farewell. So any movie um, that deals with uh, <laughs> with Asians or Mexicans or they joke when they go to England. Uh, like 
basically if it's a if a, it's a movie released in America and they want to uh, introduce you to the culture, they introduce <laughs> you through food. That's like the, the easiest way to do it. So, uh, yeah. but the ones that stick out the most to me are the anything to do with the mafia and uh, my big fat Greek wedding has lots of scenes with delicious looking food in it so i'm gonna go kind of the other way with it but a movie a scene it's basically just a scene that always just stands out in my mind it's just i always find super hilarious is from um i guess it's a christmas vacation national <laughs> christmas vacation and so clark <laughs> clark griswold has, has been slaving over a christmas feast for his entire family who's and some of who have showed up unexpectedly there's a dog there's a cat there's lots of madness and uh he's cooked this fucking turkey to death and when he when he stabs into it to like carve it up it deflates like a fucking football like a football <laughs> And then it goes around like in the next few scenes or the next scene, just kind of showing them all like trying to chew on it, like eat it. Like, oh, my God, it is so funny. And it's funny that it's just like Christmas movies. But the also the other scene, very similar, very similar sense of humor here. Obviously, I'm a big fan of turkey fucking comedy is the fucking scene in A Christmas Story when the dogs break into the house and eat the entire uh, Christmas oh, yeah. <laughs> And they have to go to a Chinese restaurant with the fa ra 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 ra. I mean, it's just it's one of the most like iconic, ridiculous scenes in history, and it's all uh, it's all food. That one's really good with the, with the duck. How she screams, and he's like, uh, it, "It's smiling at her." <laughs> oh, such good stuff. I mean, but if I really think about it, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like iconic food scenes in movies. Uh, I guess Harry Potter has a huge. Uh, there's a lot of people that love the the food scene in uh, in those movies and just the and even in the books. I know yeah. that's like a that's a big thing. Um, and it made me think just now, actually, Danny. Is there is there a is there any comics or art that's uh, kind of like bizarrely food based that is that is actually kind of cool or is there anything yeah. like chew, chew, chew? Yeah. Okay. So the Did detective, the detective is a vegetarian, but anytime he eats. A thing, uh, he knows where what happened to it. He, he gets the life story of it, and so he chews body parts to figure out what happened to oh, those. Uh, oh my god, this is incredible! Yeah, yeah, this just ended a couple of years back, I think. Uh, but yeah, this is a really fucking great story. Uh, fuck, I'm trying to think of other ones. I know Anthony Bourdain made a comic book. I don't really know much about it, uh, but I feel there's like so many like food. Like if you're thinking of like food centric comics, I think that's the biggest one I could think of. Like, chew. okay, honestly, um, I was taking a shot. Dark hair. I was like, I'm putting him on the spot. I gotta ask, but no, you nailed it. That's that's pretty incredible. I was. I, was I, I'm, I bet there's a uh, lots of manga about cooking. Uh, I was, they yeah, always... yeah, there is too. I was gonna say this: the best, the best scene out of an anime, and you guys are gonna fucking laugh. Uh, it's Cowboy Bebop, the movie. He is eating a cup of noodles, uh, or cup noodles. and But the fucking greatest thing ever is this technology. And I think this is where I want technology to go to. Is at the bottom of the cup, he pulls a string. And his instant noodles are instantly hot. And it, it maybe had water. I don't really remember. <laughs> but I want that. You I, want to be able to pull a string and make things hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> It is one of my favorite food scenes, I think. Uh, but also, also, I was also thinking of V for Vendetta, 
uh, eggs in the basket mm-hmm. scene where he's introducing or uh, where V's introducing that to Natalie Portman's character, Eve, I think. I don't fucking remember her name. Uh, but I, I feel like I was remembering that as we were talking about it. And then Parasite also had something recently as well. Oh, Parasite had a great food scene. I was wondering if that was going to come up, actually. Yeah, that had a, a fantastic food scene. Um, this is a really great uh, little talking point. Uh, things that would lose your appetite. That was most of the things on my list. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I thought I had a, I thought I had a long list, but um, the only movie right now that comes, so stuff like Cannibal Holocaust or eh, Hostel, right. that stuff doesn't, yeah, it's like kind of uncomfortable. In, in Cannibal Holocaust's case, it's uncomfortable. In Hostel's case, it's, I guess, it's gross or whatever, but it's not one of those like you know, gag me with a spoon type of thing. Right. But um, <laughs> Sal, Sallow, the Ooh. or the hundred. 180 yeah. days of Sodom, that movie, and uh, I guess it's kind it of a has coprophilia in it. Yeah, I'm not yeah, like there's literal, yeah, it's, it's pretty literal and disgusting. But um, getting away from people literally eating shit, uh, <laughs> the, the, the violence in it, it's it's pretty, oh, yeah. it's pretty That's horrible. Yeah. And what they make these kids do to each other and to them, it's uh, like the final scene is um, it's really, really, really bad. Like uh, hot pokers in people's open eyes type of thing. And, and no, I mean, these are dead on scenes where they're showing them straight up. Like nothing is left to your imagination. So it's really gory to watch. It's uh very graphic and uh, yeah, it's some pretty realistic looking shit that's going, this ain't no two girls in a cup stuff. Like this looks <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't eat orange leaf after that. I have, uh, we went, uh, so Alamo draft house, and I, we talked about the story plenty of times. You're right. The food is totally disgusting. It's <laughs> super disgusting. <laughs> uh, no, uh, they so, so we got to see Hereditary, and uh, they gave us cake. And I think this is the only time that I really put my fork down. And uh, so I think can we spoil this movie at this yeah, point? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, I wasn't really sure, but she loses her head. You know, the little girl, and uh, right after the birthday party scene, you know. Before the whole scene, they kind of just gave this this like piece of chocolate cake, <laughs> and that was the first time that I feel like you hear audible like in unison, like everybody just dropping their fork. Gross, yeah. Because like, I feel that was not the me. only. Oh no, Pat, Pat was like, "Oh, give me more." <laughs> yeah. uh, I took I took Danny's cake. More more decapitated head, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll take what he's had. He's had. Uh, no, that was the only time. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> That was the, the first time I feel like I was like, no, thank you. Because for the most, everything oh. else. Oh, that's really funny. That's really funny. So, okay. So I have three. I'm just going to keep it to three. I have more, but I'm going to keep it to three. So, uh, so the one thing I just want everybody to like uh, YouTube, Google search, search house, house is house four. That's the movie house. Number four house volume four. I'm your pizza man. All right. <laughs> Both you guys do that right now for me. I'll I'll keep talking. So this is, it's so the story of house. uh, There's obviously several of them. Um, A guy buys a haunted house and he starts to renovate it, and uh, supernatural happenings uh, persist. And in this one, in this particular edition of House Four, they order pizza. This has been burned into my memory since I was a child. I don't know why. Every time I order a pizza, I expect it to spit at me. So it's. They order a pizza, it gets delivered, the pizza sings a song, and then it spits hot pizza in their fucking face. It's an amazing scene. I love it. I, I, I love it. it. So the, I have 
I yes. have something to, to add with that too. <laughs> add to that pizza. Uh, there's a music song or music video, I guess, uh, in Spanish called <laughs> Señorita Carta de Pizza. <laughs> and if you actually Googled this house for I'm Your Pizza Man, there's a, <laughs> essentially a pizza face guy. And the essentially what happens in this song is that the guy falls in love with pizza face the girl the, the lady pizza face and uh at the end of it he eats her because she was so delicious but uh this this made me think of that just it's this is perfect thank you please. outstanding thank you're you. welcome you're thank very you. welcome thank you so much <laughs> well and so if you're a fan of gorging yourself until you explode uh and i actually monty python has been brought up numerous times over this uh the course of the month um but uh, i believe this is in the meaning of life uh, there is a segment in that that is famously titled Mr. Creosote. And I would say... In the restaurant? <laughs> yeah. Is, what's the restaurant? No, is it in a restaurant with a really, really big dude? Oh, yes. It's in a restaurant. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I don't... The, he just keeps ordering food. Bucket, he, when he, he, it's a very large, robust man. And uh, they bring him a menu. And uh, they said, oh, it's a very fine dining establishment. He's in a tuxedo. And they ask him, oh, so uh, what would you like? And he goes, I'll have the lot. (laughs) 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 So he ordered everything on the menu. And uh, the whole rest of the skit is him proceeding to eat everything and then explode violently. uh, It's definitely worth the price of admission. There's a couple food scenes. Salmon moose uh, kills everybody at a dinner party. Um, later on in the in the movie, uh, Monty Python they know how to do food, one hundred percent know how to do. <laughs> um, but here's my coup de gras, and uh, I think Regina, shout out Regina, I think she's a fan of this as well. 1985's the stuff, the, <laughs> st- <laughs> the stuff uh, stars, uh, stars uh, Michael Moriarty, um, uh, directed by Larry Cohen and written by Larry Cohen. And uh, so this is, uh, if you hate corporations and uh, you hate killer... The man. The man, and you hate killer soft serve, (laughs) this is the movie for you. Uh, So uh, the man, big, big, big food, big processed food introduces, uh, it is literally marketed as the stuff. And it's this taste sensation sweeping the nation. And uh, Patrick, I know you have some experience with this movie. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell everybody what's <laughs> the stuff? Um, my experiences with the stuff. Well, I know that, like, as you mentioned, like Regina, every time we've seen it, she says that uh, she wants to taste it. <laughs> I do she too. Wants to <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know what the big deal about the stuff is. But uh, the stuff, actually, it has some really cool scenes too, talking about head explosions and whatnot. It has uh, uh, Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris. But uh, he ends up ingesting this stuff, and uh, yeah, it gets pretty. <laughs> it also has, speaking of mafia movies, of a uh, Goodfellas fame. It has um, Paul Giamatti. Is it does. Paul Giamatti? Yeah, he's a Paul Sorvino. Yeah, Paul Sorvino. 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 I think Paul Giamatti might be a real mobster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Paul, 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 Paul Sorvino's, and he's like a military. He's a like a five star over the top general. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the stuff is amazing. It's a cheesy '80s horror movie. Um, Larry Cohen did a "Cue the Winged Serpent," right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, which is another <laughs> horror classic. But uh, yeah, that movie. I've never wanted to try this stuff. 
Like I, I see, I've <laughs> seen the results. <laughs> I've seen what happens with it. So I would, I would stay away from the stuff, but I would certainly like to see someone else try it and they can tell me what it's like. Oh, I would love to brew like a pure white beer that looks like milk and just, <laughs> I'm just going to call it this stuff. Don't ask so, how it's going to go. You know what else? <laughs> you know what else disgusts me in movies? Like whenever there's a scene, I can't, uh, I can't think of a particular movie off the top of my head, but I think the Deer Hunter they do it. But anything involving sticking something under people's fingernails and bamboo shoots is kind of the the, the obvious one. But yeah. when there's close-ups of that, that makes me kind of like that makes me shudder a dude, lot. Like that, dude. I was pulling weeds out at work the other day, and it was one was by like a big telephone pole, and as I reached down to get it i got one of those underneath my fucking fingernail uh, off the- and it was so big and gnarly that i was like i was easily able to pull it out like right then in that moment but i like it's like my i'm just uh just shuddering i'd like ugh, no i can't I don't think it's, it's funny like something we, we were we were talking about you know eating crap and uh drinking this <laughs> stuff and a little thing like a, a sticker going under your nail is what all of us are like oh my god that's disgusting <laughs> every saturday you can find us here um the rest of the week you can go to adventures where you can find all our other podcasts we have a uh, talking tauntauns which is our star wars podcast poor taste wrestling which is our uh, boxing podcast and um our general comics podcast um you can also just catch up with our reviews and leave your thoughts adventures and movies is now on youtube so you can check us out uh also we have a little side a side hustle we're working on it's called um adventures and movies looks at dot 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 last week we looked at a uh, 499 this week we're looking at a romantic dramedy called i will make your make you mind and uh, of course you can go to site and check out all the star wars news that we have there and you can follow us at it you can follow Adventures in Movies on Twitter over at AAPT Movies, or you can follow us individually while you're looking at food porn. You can file, uh, find Nathaniel on Instagram, or Pat, as I like to call him, at Nathan Portace. You can find me, Danny, on Twitter and Instagram at default underscore player. You can find Blake the Crunch on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that at all, but I love it so much. It's real good. <laughs> Oh, and I'm going to be looking at regular porn this week. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I still haven't done your, your handle. Oh, for right horror. Don't okay, worry about porn. it. Okay. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> so next week, get your goddamn aluminum foil fucking hat on. We're going to do some conspiracy movies. That sounds fun. Check it out. Yeah, and you could check that out on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or maybe Stitcher, who knows? Uh, you can definitely go to the website and you'll find our podcast there. You can find Adventures and Movies Looks at there. Uh, just uh, make sure to give us a rating or tell a friend to listen. And that's our cue. We'll talk to you next week. That's the right stuff. Adios.